Am I all right to control with this? Brilliant stuff. Excellent. Uh, morning, everybody. This is uh, part two of Tenacious, standing its own. I'm really, uh, after the worship time, I'm really excited. The things are being brought and things that Megan said. I don't think God's done with people in this room yet, so get hold of that. Uh, there are promises of God. And what Joe didn't know is I'm speaking about the promises of God this morning. Uh, so that's important. So let's have a, a little look at the next part of our Tenacious series. And uh, just a couple of statements before I begin on this. This, is a, this series is about getting hold of all that God is doing at the beginning of this year, but more particularly at the beginning of this decade. What will our lives look like in a decade? Just think on that for a moment, because you know everything will be different in a decade. You did know your dedications next week, didn't you? You've not come like thinking, oh, he's forgotten this. <laughs> That's all right. When I looked up and saw you, I suddenly thought, oh my days, I've got the wrong weekend. <laughs> Welcome to church. Um, true faith means holding nothing back. It means putting every hope in God's fidelity to his promises. And it's personal. One of the most poisonous of all Satan's whispers in our ear is this. Things will never change. Things will change. The truth is, things will only change. How depends on your ability to know that God is faithful to his promises. And he's faithful to his promises. So I, I wanted to show some pictures of... Uh, People bungee jumping. That is the moment they leap. Anybody here bungee jumped? Come on. It's like, it's got to be the future, hasn't it? It's, I want to do it from an airplane without the bungee, just a parachute. That's what I really want to do. But you can see the look on their faces. He's got a harness on. He's all ready to go, the guy in the yellow. And you can see him thinking, I can do this. Everything in his mind is saying, but you might die. You can just see it, can't you? And the girl going like that, she's going, look, I'm happy, ha, 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 I'm going to die. <laughs> my favourite is this one. This is the guy thinking, I've signed up, my mates are watching me, I've got to do this now. Will my bladder hold out? Why did I do this? I've got sponsorship money, I've now got to do this. It's a bit like, I became a Christian, why did I do this? The promises of God. You know, there are times in our Christian life where that is just how it feels. Faced with the circumstances of life, that is how we feel. Oh, sorry, I've got it up there. That is how we feel. We do, we do that kind of Christian thing of, oh Lord, I need you and this rope to be real right now. As you step out. I've always wanted to bungee jump. One day I'll probably do it, I think. Do it together, a tandem bungee jump, yeah, with, our, with our partners, yeah, the four of us together. Ah, Julie's looking so excited at this prospect. It's the, <laughs> you don't worry about insurance when you do that, because like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter about insurance, honestly. Did anybody see the one on YouTube? And then I'm moving on from bungee jumps. There's one on YouTube. I think I've probably told this before, but they tie this guy on. And they say, jump. And just as he's about to jump, they say, hang on, we've not fastened you yet. And the look on his face, as he goes backwards, screaming with terror. And the guy's holding an empty rope. And it's just a joke, because he's fastened on, he just hasn't realised. <laughs> so the guy's holding an empty hook <laughs> with a rope. And this guy's, ah, <laughs> and then bounces <laughs> Look it up on YouTube, it's the funniest thing in the world. Actually, it's completely evil, but it is really funny. Um, faith sometimes is like stepping out 
And, you know, we feel secure on the edge with a rope fastened around us, but sometimes God calls us to step into the unknown. And that's really, you know, that's why I use the bungee jump thing. In Exodus chapter 3, there's this story about the foundations of the promises of God. And the promises of God have got very difficult, and God's people are in a trapped position in slavery. And, and here are the, the words that are in there. The Lord said in Exodus 3, 7 and 8, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the measure of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land. So that's God's heart for his people. And here are some of the foundations of that promise that God saw his promises need to be, needed to be fulfilled in people's lives. And they were in a difficult situation. You see, way back before that period of slavery, there was Abraham, the father of the Hebrew Jewish nation, and the promises of God were given to him. Promises of God were given to him. To Jacob, his grandson, he claimed God's promises over his own life and the future. To Joseph, who brought the growing family to Egypt, he saved them from starvation and was a source of blessing for the whole nation uh, and for the nations. And under Joseph, the family grew and were blessed and the Hebrew nation grew and the Egyptians began to worry and the Hebrew people became so numerous they stayed put in the familiar place. So the, the people of God who got a heritage of the promise of God stayed put in the familiar place away from the promised land, away from the promise. They were outside of all that God had done. The king of Egypt felt so threatened by their sheer numbers, he enslaved them. They were stuck in the familiar, away from the promises. And that's where I, kind of where I want to begin. When we stand still, we become, become slaves to our situation. New becomes tradition. Tradition becomes sacred law. Law becomes slavery. And that happens so easily to us. The promise then feels so far off, we feel abandoned and forgotten. But it is the promises that are really abandoned and forgotten. You see, the promises of God are faithful. What we do is forget that he's made them. We forget that they're real. We forget to own them. And the people that were enslaved had really forgotten the promises and had stayed put in the familiar. The people cried out to God, and God did something incredible for the life of those people. He intervened. He said, because this is what our God does. He has made promises over us, and he intervenes. He steps into our situation. People so often say, where is God? He intervenes. He steps in. And he stepped into the extent of giving us his son. That was the ultimate stepping in, where he changed everything, changed all of history. And he hangs on patiently for us, for the full day of salvation for everyone that can connect with that truth, the promises of God. So Moses, after a long time, would lead the people out of slavery and towards the promised land again. Of course, the people were never really slaves physically. You know, there were so many Hebrews, it's thought, that they decided to get up and walk out of Egypt. 400 years they were in captivity. They could have got up and just walked out. They could have walked out. They could have gone. But their mind said, I am trapped and nothing will ever change. It took Moses to say the promises of God are real and to lead them out. You know, church, we have an amazing good news message that says the promises of God are real. Things will change. Our job is to point people to God. That's what Moses did, really. Moses really just pointed people back to God. That's what Christ did. He pointed people back to Father. He enabled us to bridge that gulf, to have that, that break healed. And that's our role as church, to say to people, hear the promises and truth of God. That's our good news. 
of salvation. So God had a plan to intervene. God has a plan for you, but it always demands your cooperation and participation. See, Moses had to cooperate with God's purposes, and he had to participate. And the people of God had to cooperate and participate. The only people that didn't want to cooperate and participate were the Egyptians. But God's people, despite that, cooperated with God, participated in his promises, and walked to freedom. See, Moses had to declare freedom. The people had to get up and walk to freedom. Does anybody like moving? Moving, relocating, moving house, selling up, packing up, putting it all in. I know a family that just before Christmas, oh, poor us, we're going to move to ginormous, really posh house, we've got to pack. Hang on, I can just feel my heart bleeding. I can get away with that with Sarah because she loves me. She'll tell me off later. But the prospect of even moving into the promise is hard work. It was hard work. So this amazing gift lies in front of them, but you've got the chore of packing and walking. But you know what? The only way they can walk into that new house, that new home and that blessing is to do the work of walking, of moving, of doing it. You know, sometimes, church, we cannot just sit there and anticipate. Oh, God, do it. God, do it. God, do it. So why I get really upset when people talk about revivals because it's not a biblical word. Because we don't just sit there and say, do your thing, Lord, while we sit here and watch. God wants us to participate. He wants us to step up and be involved. He wants us to break into lives. We don't just sit here praying wishfully. We pray and we do. We get involved. We're obedient. And we carry good news. That's, we've got to walk into that promised land. It's easy to sit in our situations praying for freedom, but to be slaves to the familiar. It takes faith to declare freedom and to walk. We've got to declare it and walk into it. So it's no good if we sit in a room, six of us, and say, Lord, we pray you give us a great, amazing church that changes Barnsley, but never leave that room. We've got to get out and touch Barnsley. Yeah. Got to touch the community. Got to touch the people we know. Got to be in contact with them. We've got to share this good news. See, the Lord knows how destructive our world has become. Has anybody noticed our world is rather destructive and broken at the moment? Does anybody watch news? It's not the happiest state it's ever been in right now. I came across this article in a magazine, and, and it says this. I read these words, because I, I was looking for things about promise. And I found this article about uh, the world that we're in today. It was written a year or two back. I read, so it says, the promises on which modern society rest, education, progress, reason, the goodness of humanity, the family, science, technology, have all proven to be more limited than we thought. Today, everything seems focused on the destruction of this modern world. Two out of every three adults believe the world is in a serious long-term decline, economically, morally, and spiritually. So I shall we do coffee now? <laughs> oh, hallelujah. How happy. <laughs> but isn't that true? That's how people feel. Two out of every three adults believe the world is in a serious long-term decline. I'd love to meet the one out of every three. They're the ones I want to hang around with. But that's how people feel. People lay awake at night wondering... Uh, what they're going to be leaving for their children, what are we building for ourselves. Personal insecurity is more acutely felt than ever before, psychologists tell us. We live in a technologically advanced society. We live in one of the most mobile societies. We live in the, one of the most liberal and free societies we have ever had, despite what anybody will tell you. But we are addicted to compulsive behavior in the search for acceptance and purpose by seeking likes on social media 
and buying and owning more stuff created images of how we'd like to be presented. Julie and I watched a great program the other night, deep and meaningful, about plastic surgery, didn't we? You know you do that thing when you just need to go to bed and then you just flick through every channel you possess and then you fall on something stupid and watch it until you're exhausted. That's what I did. Plastic surgery. And, and these young women were so delighted with how they all looked. They looked like clones by the time they'd done. But it was really scary. And it was like saying, so here are the budget places in the world you can go for cheap cosmetic surgery and save money. Oh, listen, if you're slicing and dicing me, I don't want it on the cheap. So if anybody wants to pay for my liposuction, you'd be very welcome to... Um... Oh, I'm going to be in trouble now. Julie told me not to say that. We don't have to chase for approval or being loved. God loves us. He even calls us new creations. We don't have to slice and dice. We don't have to look for likes on social media. We don't have to have this thing cut up. We are new creations in the Lord. We are utterly acceptable to him. We are loved. And he receives us. That's our good news. We don't focus on the slavery and sin, but the freedom found in Christ. You know, so often the church and the pastors... We want people to recognize sin in their life and to repent of it and to walk into the freedom of God. But can we major also on the, on, on the freedom of God? Not just on the sin of the world. Like the, the world knows it's broken. What we want to do is often the promise of a promised land, the truth of the love of God. And when the, there's repentance of sin, we walk into the freedom of Christ. We walk into a freedom in a new place. You know, Scripture says a wide open space. I read it earlier. We build our lives on the promises of people or the promises of God. We choose slavery or freedom. I want to build my life on the promises of God, not the promises of people. And I'll tell you why that, because I'm people. I'm a people and I know I'm unreliable. I'll do my best to be reliable and I get better, but ultimately I'm human and flesh and blood. But our God is the Lord. He's the King of Kings. He's our Redeemer. And His promises, they are steadfast, they are sure, they are certain. They were, and we sang it. We sang it. We proclaimed it. We declared it. Um, Joe came up and, and was clear about what God had laid on her heart. The strange thing is that the dream of the promise is tenaciously held on to, while the fulfillment of the promise is resisted. So we all love the idea of the promise of God, and we hold on to it, but we resist doing anything about it. We hang on to how we are. We continue to live exactly how we are. We don't want to change anything. We want to be the person we've always been, and yet we want the promises of God. So we tenaciously hold on to one, and tenaciously, and we just pulled in two. Church, we've got, to get, we've got to let go of the past. We've got to let go of this stuff and cling on to the Lord. It's a little bit like stepping off. You can't cling on to the ledge. You've got to just let the bungee jump rope take you. You've got to step out and know the Lord has got you. You can't cling on to that edge with a rope attached saying you've got, it, you've got it all. You've got it all. You will never experience that step until you let go. Church, we've got to be a bungee jumping church. Please don't put that on social media. <laughs> Hope House of the Bungee Jumping Church. I suppose we, if we're fairly high, we could set something up over the front, couldn't we? Would be possible. Neil, can I set you on to that one? You're practical. I reckon between Neil and Dave Hewitt, these are practical men, and Paul could build some kind of wooden scaffolding. No, no we've got to do it in house, it's more exciting. Wondering if, if it'll all hold up and work. Got to put some element of risk in it. We don't like walking into promise, we want it in our laps. 
But there's a moment where you, know, you only experience bungee jumping when you step off. Church, we will only experience all that God has when we step out. When we say, Lord, this is now over to you. you know, I, in a weird way, I love putting myself in a situation where only the Lord. I love, I love physically doing that. I love physically doing things where I think, I'm not sure this can happen if I'm capable of this. But let's give it a shot and see what happens because it feels so good. So I like doing that with physical things, adventure things. So it's really good to be able to do that spiritual, with spiritual things. To be able to say, Lord, I believe you can do this. And the times, and I've got to be honest, the times and moments in my life where I've not been able to do that, the times and moments in my life where I've seen other people do it and been inspired and thought, you know what, I'm going to do this. One of the biggest for me was signing up for college as a grown-up. Um, but I felt that God was in that. So it was right to sign up and do that, to step out into the unknown and believe that God had something. I think God had something. You know, at a time when Hope House Church is moving forward and finding its vision and traction, we can't lose that vision by looking backwards or settling down. The biggest vision killer word to me, and one or two people have used it, good people have used it, and they've used it in the right way, but I always go for the deep end when people say it's time to consolidate. For me, that word, I just cringe at that word. And I know people mean it in the right way. And there are times you've got to, in a sense, consolidate to me is like a killer word. It means movement and potential stop for a time. Wow, when things stop. Church, we can't just stop. We can't rest in. So, oh, church is nice now. I like this. This is nice. I don't want it to change because I can just about cope with what it is now. If you get all new people in, I'll have to know new people. And when you bring new people in and we connect with new people, I'll have to do new things. And then my life won't be quite as it is now. So we can't control God. We've got to give him freedom. The greatest danger is to elevate promises made to ourselves above the promises made to us by God. Oh, I've promised these things to myself. I've promised myself this time. I've promised I'll have this. I'll promise... You know what? Those promises we make to ourselves must never be bigger than the promises God makes to us. Because we've got to let him have control. We hold him back while we try to take charge of our lives. We've got to surrender our lives to his lordship. See, when we try to have our own promises, that's when the kingdom of my ministry becomes bigger than the kingdom of God in my heart. And I see it again and again with people, good people, but their ministry becomes their kingdom and not the Lord's kingdom in their heart. We subtly shift to serving ourselves and not the Lord, and we don't even realize we've done it. That was, wow. Well, I think I might have missed one. Oh, I did, yeah. Here's our good news. We don't focus on the slavery of sin, but the freedom we find in Christ. Galatians 5, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burned again to a yoke of slavery. We are unstuck from the past. The people heading for the promised land, always some of them will want to go back to Egypt. Always some of them will want to get hold of what was. Scripture says in Hebrews 4, 7, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Hebrews 4, 7. Church, let's be people that don't have a hard heart that is looking after ourselves, but a soft heart that is given over to the Lord. We've got to love the Lord first. We've got to trust his promises more than ourselves. The minute we begin to trust ourselves, we begin to look back. We begin to 
reach back to our slavery, to our Egypt place, to our entrapment. So what could Hope House be as we press forward? What could we go into? You know, the truth is, God will have a people in this place. God will have a people in this town. Possibly. Well, maybe not in this place, but maybe one down the road where they believe it. Yeah, I think it was it Wesley. Somebody tell me. So was it Wesley that said, surely God will have a people in this place? In, you know, in, not in this building, in, in Barnsley. Surely God will have a people in this place. This is after he's been chased out of the town and I'd call and stones thrown at him to scare him away as an evangelist. But what could God do in this town? Well, the truth is, what will God do in this town? In this town, God will touch lives. God will heal broken people. God will see addicts set free. God will see sick people made well. God will, God will see broken families restored. I really believe this stuff. God will see our, our communities reconnected and unified. God will see our, this place lift up the name of Jesus for his glory. That will happen in Barnsley. There will be salvation. There will be people that turn to the Lord. And I don't just mean ones or twos filling buildings dotted around Barnsley. There will be wholesale transformation of what Barnsley is. Because scripture contains that truth and Barnsley isn't unique. Barnsley is not different. So the church will become a place of healing and recovery where people can learn to parent and learn to love and learn to be accepted again, where they can feel whole again where they can feel not just humanly whole, but spiritually connect with the Lord, where they can again engage with who they are created to be. And everything about this town will change. My prayer is that that kind of transformation, the restoration of God's people, that outpouring of his Holy Spirit, that almost day of Pentecost sensation where people say, what must I do to be saved? That, a prayer, comes in my lifetime. I want to see that influence, that transformation. I want to see the dark things of our town broken. And it could happen in this place. If we step out, if people like you and me that God chooses to use are prepared to step out into the unknown, into the impossible, into the difficult, into the scary, into the promises of God. Not just to talk about the theory and the practice, but to put ourselves there, to represent Christ. We've got to do the outrageous to receive the promise. I spent a year. I spent a year. So's Joel. Looking at this young girl in church. Young girl. There you go. Spent a year waiting to ask Julie out. Oh, and I loved imagining going out with Julie. That was a great idea. I loved imagining going out with Julie. For a year I did that. And it felt so good thinking how good it would be to go out with her. I didn't want to ask her out in case she said no, because then I'd have to stop imagining how good it would be if she said yes. So although I like to say that I prayed for a year, well, I did pray for a long time, but then I also procrastinated for a long time, waiting to ask. Sue was good enough to like crack some light at the situation and, 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 and soften Julie up. You've got to say yes. And she said, well, I'll give him a go. <laughs> Nearly 36 years later, I think she's going to say yes. But you know what? I genuinely, through all that time, thought, I love the idea of the promise of what it will be to 
be married to Julie. Because I built up this picture of what it would be, and, and I dreamed of what it would be. And what if she'd said no? Well, here's the deal. If she'd said no, at least I'd know. I wouldn't just be living in a fantasy. I put myself out there and asked. I put myself into a situation where I had to physically walk up to her and say, Ellen, what are you doing tomorrow afternoon? And Julie said, uh, you can come around about one o'clock. Okay. It's dead romantic. It's dead romantic. Can I just say you brought the flowers when you came? Come on. And he's been bringing them ever since. If she'd said no, at least my dreaming time would come to an end and no more would be wasted. Church, let's just step into the promise of God. Let's just walk up to people. Let's begin to make these kind of connections. Let's begin to say we can do these things. You know, we've got a, we've got a Hope Connects thing going off in the other building where we, we're working and serving with. A couple of our guys are working and serving young families and just encouraging them, just, just like stepping into the gap for them, just, just being there the best they can. Not because they're mega professionals, but because they care. And they're just trying to be there and say, hey, you know, you matter. You know, what could God do with that? How could God grow that? How could God eventually see salvation through that and transformation through that? Making people feel precious. Church, in your work situation, what if you never do say this is who you are as a Christian? What if you never do say, you know, those people around you will never know the truth of God unless you say something, unless you begin to live it. How you live it, how you write your timesheets out, how you don't pinch paper clips or whatever it might be. But if, if we put ourselves out there, just maybe... Just maybe, as ambassadors for Christ, people will get saved. Hebrews 10, 35, 36 says, says this. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Now, it seems to me he promises his Holy Spirit so that we can be witnesses. And as we are witnesses, that people will find salvation. That is the promise of God. Why would he break that promise? Why would he decide for everybody else but that person there? Everybody else but not that church. You know, that is the promise of God over our lives. And if we step into it, you see, sometimes we want to, we want to practice this Holy Spirit stuff internally. I'm going to tell you the times I felt the Holy Spirit most in my life was when I've been in a situation, not with Christians, but with non-Christians. Where in conversation, suddenly, so sure of the presence of the Holy Spirit giving me conversation, reminding me of things, bringing words to mind, winding up wanting to pray for somebody or just speaking in some situation, saying things that I haven't, I'm just saying and then discovering it's like turning a lock, it's like a word of knowledge, it turns something in our lives. That is where the Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses. But the Holy Spirit is for so much more, connects us into our lives for so much more. Last week I said, if we are to enter our God-called future, we must disturb and surrender our control of the present. I want to extend that this week and say this. If we are to enter our God-called promise, we must walk into it and away from the control of the present. Lots of things will tell you how you must live, how things must be, how this church must feel. But you know what? Over the next year, the next 10 years, lots of things are going to change anyway. Let's be sure that God is in charge of that change. Let's be sure that he's Lord of the transformation. Let's not just stumble into things because we have to, because somebody grows old and retires. That's not me, by the way. Don't get excited. 
because somebody has an accident or because somebody leaves or because some, some physical change takes place or somebody loses their job or some new legislation comes out that changes how we function. All of those things might well happen. The change I'm talking about is the God called change, the growth, the movement in God, the maturing in his kingdom. Jesus told, and Jesus had a healing story in John chapter 5 verse 8 says there's a, there's a man laid by a pool and he's desperate to be healed and every time he wants to get into this healing pool everybody gets there before him because he's like more ill than everybody else and can't get there fast enough anybody ever feel like that like everybody around you has got need but your needs are so needy that you never get your needs met before they get their needs met because they're like faster than you sir the invalid replied to Jesus, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm on my way, someone else goes in before me. Lots of people think, my life. Then Jesus told him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Immediately the man was made well and he picked up his mat and began to walk. You see, he could lay by a pool of promise all his life. But when Jesus said walk, he did. Church Jesus says to us, walk. Step into this stuff. For so long, so many people have held on to their restrictions. So many people have held on to past. So many people have held on to history. So many of us so easily hold on to the things that somebody once said to us, that once hurt us or once prophesied over us that broke us. But you know what? Let's walk into the promises of God. And even if we've messed up monumentally and massively in the past, we've got a gracious, forgiving God. Why do we think we're the ones above his grace and forgiveness? We're not. But when we get up and walk, our perspective changes. I was going to lay on the floor at this point, but now I feel silly proposing it. Oh, go on. I was just thinking, you know, the invalid man is laid down here, having a conversation with, everybody gets in the pool before me. So often in our Christian lives, or not, we, we lay here saying, it's not fair. I'm stuck down here. But when he stood up and walked, his perspective changed completely. Just standing up shifted his perspective. Walking changes our perspective. Walking changes our circumstances. Walking changes our location, situation. Only in Christ can we walk in faith. He's the source and fulfillment of all the promises of God in our lives. Church, I'm simply saying to you, don't just sit there saying, oh, please God, please God, please God. Let's put ourselves in a situation where we need God to step in. Let's put ourselves into faith places where if it isn't for God, this thing's not going to work. I loved when we bought this building. When we, we stepped out into this building, we effectively said, Oh Lord, if you don't step in, this church is gone in 18 months. Dead seriously, that was the scenario. If you don't step in, this church is not happening in 18 months' time. That's great. Except we've now got familiar and comfortable in it and we can manage it. God, if you don't step in, we're never going to finish this place. God, if you don't step in then we're not going to be able to use this place in the way that you gave us, in the promises that you made over us. We're just going to be familiar. And this beautiful promise of God will become our enslavement. Church, let's put ourselves out there and proclaim we're going to do things in this place. We're going to reach out from this place. We're going to send people out from this place. Let's not get comfortable and familiar. Some people, because we've got the heating working now, and you come to church and it's warm, which is not meant to happen, is it? Next week, I'm going to turn the air conditioning on. So you're going to come to church. It's going to feel like proper church. It's going to be really cold. Remember, nothing stays the same anyway, so let's embrace the changes of God.
Because if you think you can protect what you've got right now, you can't. It will change. 2 Corinthians 5, 6. I'm bringing this to an end, so if the band want to return. Therefore, we are always confident, although we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Don't wait till you can see it to proclaim Jesus over it. So, you know, I can confidently say that in this building there will be next door the most amazing centre that our community of Barnsley comes into. And what will they come into? They'll come into that building and connect with it and they'll find all sorts of ways to have life healed, repaired, to be loved, to be wanted, to be valued, but most importantly, it'll be a place where Christ's peace is found. And from that place where God's people can be sent out, prepared, sent out, built up, you know, because this place is just, it's a, it's a building. We don't need a building, but it's part of what God's given us right now as a tool, and we want to use it well. But we want to use it well for the express purpose that we are obedient to God, that we will go into all the world. The moment our faith rests on what we see, and not the vision for the promise of God, we will want to go back. So church, I don't want to go back. I don't want to capture what was. I want to thank God for it and move into it. Move into the next thing. This is what it says in Acts chapter 1 verse 4. While staying with them, says Jesus, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. The promises of God are worth waiting for. We'd have to make them happen. We don't have to just rely on our own promises. The promises of God are worth waiting for, but they will be fulfilled. We've just got to put ourselves into the right place to receive them. The God moment promises matters. The God moment promise matters this decade more than ever. We need him more than ever. For movement, for the moments, for the mission. Jesus says, I will build my church. That's the movement that we're part of, is church. Jesus says, I will leave a counsel of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that empowers our moments. He's the one that transforms how we speak, how we live, how we communicate the gospel. He's the one that empowers us to live this Christian life. Jesus says, go into all the world. That is our mission. That is our mission. Not to sit still and enjoy moments, but to be built up by them and go on a mission. This is where we're lifted higher than the mundane slavery and familiar. This is where freedom begins. This is why we can say, you are a chosen people, a holy nation. That's what scripture calls us. We are ambassadors for Christ. A chosen people. That is who you are. And that's not me being sensational or dramatic. That is in scripture. That is the word of God over your life, over our lives. And this morning, I'm simply going to say, are we going to be prepared to step into that? We're going to sing whatever we're going to sing. The band are going to lead us. I'm sure it'll be great because they didn't tell me what it was. I just can't remember. But just bear this in mind. There are different kinds of spirit, spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. It's 1 Corinthians 12. Church, let's not be a people that just meet on Sundays. Let's step into the promises of God. And that is a very personal thing. 
says in Isaiah chapter 6, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. It is always personal. And so we're going to sing a worship song this morning. We're going to close this time, and within the next five minutes or so, we'll be drinking coffee and eating biscuits and drinking tea and chatting, having conversation. Let's make that positive. Let's make that uplifting and building. You know, Scripture says to bear with one another, to forgive one another, to encourage one another. Let's make it that kind of time as we do that. Let's greet new people. But right now, let's do business with God. And maybe you feel there are promises hanging over your life. Maybe you're trying to understand how you can work them out. Maybe you're trying to, you know, sometimes all you've got to do is walk. And I'm going to do this thing. I don't like to do it very often, but I'm going to say to you, if that is you, simply walk to the front. Because it's like a prophetic act. Somebody may pray for you, somebody may not pray for you, but it's a prophetic act that says, I have walked the front. Lord, I've changed my perspective. I'm in a simple way going to come and stand at the front of church to bring my worship because it changes my position. And that's like a prophetic act that says things are different. What I'm doing physically for a few moments now, I want to be true spiritually for the whole of my life. So let's worship God. And if that's you, Lord, I want to pray for this congregation now that we would not be the same. Holy Spirit, that you would change us, you would transform us, that you would fill us, you would bring and release gift to us that build one another up so that we can send people out, that we could walk in unity and blessing and in the promises of our God, of you, Lord, our Saviour. I want to take hold of your promises now. So, Lord, as we worship, I pray there will be hearts in this room softened that are prepared to change their perspective, that prophetically will proclaim something by coming and standing here and saying, it changes today. Today I stand up and walk. Today I step out in faith. I trust that rope in God that I will not fall. I will be held. That there is a future promise I can walk into. Lord, protect us from going back and help us to go forward into this decade. We pray in the name of Jesus that we might glorify you, bring honor to you, and see salvation in our town. See disciples made and taught about who Jesus Christ is. But that is our heart and prayer, Lord. We pray your blessings this morning. Pour out your spirit on us. Amen.